Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for all runners. They create a personal shopping experience for men and women at any stage of their running journey. It's fun and it's easy. First, create your profile at mercurymile.com. Two, pick a shipping date. And three, receive and explore a curated box of incredible apparel from your personal stylist that matches your fit, style, and unique running needs. Keep what you love. Send back anything you don't. Free shipping and free returns, as always, and no subscription required. Just use the promo code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout, and you'll save an extra 10 bucks as well. So that's all at mercurymile.com. And as always, any product that you hear me talking about here in the show, I am always a big fan of. While they have been great about sponsoring the show, and I certainly appreciate that, they wouldn't be a sponsor on this show if I didn't completely believe in their service and product. So thank you so much, Mercury Mile, and thank you so much for this week's guest, Elise Garza. Elise is one heck of a runner. She had a wonderful spring, which culminated at the Mountains to Beach Marathon a couple weeks ago. Um, at that race, she dropped a huge PR. She beat their personal, basically beat her her personal goal that she was striving for, which was a 3:20 marathon. Um, and as amazing as that was, and it was certainly fun to follow along with in that journey uh, with her, it was. An interesting conversation because we immediately dive into how she felt after the race. And this is something that has come up with a lot of people is that you have that wonderful high on marathon day, the culmination of the weeks and months of physical, mental, and emotional energy all derived at one goal. And then you hit a down a down point after the marathon. That's exactly what happened to Elise. So we really talked extensively about that. We talked about her training. We talked about her busy, crazy life as a flight attendant. And, you know, if you have trouble kind of finding time to fit in your runs, I think that's a really interesting part of this conversation because she certainly has a very hectic life and she fits in runs here, there, and everywhere. We talk about coaching. We talk about a whole lot of stuff in this, both physical and mental. And I want to thank Elise for coming on the show. Thanks, Mercury thanks Mercury Mile, for sponsoring. Sorry about that. And... Without further ado, here's my conversation with Elise Garza. Hello, Elise, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. I've been really excited to have you on. I know we've been messaging back and forth for a while because we uh, wanted to do this after Mountains to Beach, which... First of all, congratulations. You kicked some serious butt. 319, 55 plus minute PR in your second marathon. Congratulations, Elise. Thank you so much. I'm definitely very proud of it and look forward to where I can go next. <laughs> right. It's funny. You kind of have to balance those two things, right? When you have one of those great races where you, like, where you get to a time that you hadn't achieved before, it's so easy at that point to say, okay, what am I capable of doing? Yeah, definitely. Um, just stepping back for a minute. I mean, I did pretty well in my first marathon at CIM. Uh, I got a 324. And so this being my second marathon with a 319, I was 
I was just, I was shooting for that sub 320 and I'm very lucky that I got it, but I, I went through a couple days where I kind of struggled and got down on myself, even having ran such a great race because I mean, as runners, I know you can relate, but we just always want more. And that's definitely somebody who I've always been. And um, whether it be a struggle or a, you know, a compliment, I, I just, you know, I think a lot of myself, so I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely want to go places from here. I'm really, uh, I'm really happy that you brought that up because I definitely wanted to talk about it in this episode. Um, I don't want to glaze over the fact that you had a wonderful lead up to mountains to beach. And I, I, I definitely want to talk about, you had like a kind of like a five, five race process. Um, the 10 K story is hysterical. Uh, <laughs> I like, I read that rate, that rate, that day running recap or race recap. And I'm like, wait, what? She ran a 10 K won it in the middle of a 20 miler. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that later, <laughs> but I do want, but this is interesting. Um, cause I do want to touch on this. What exactly? Cause so you run this, you, you beat your time, right? You had a goal, you achieved your goal in a marathon, no, no, no less. Um, you achieving a goal pace in any race is a remarkable achievement for any runner, right? That's one of those, that's one of those goals. That's like, it's, it's relative, right? Yes, Whether you're yeah. a professional or you're a couch to 5k person, when you beat the time that you set out to run, that's a big deal. So explain to me after the race, you know, that day two, day three, day four, um, what was the, what were the things that you were contemplating and thinking about and the emotions you felt that led you to kind of be a little discontented with how it, how it, how it transpired? Um, well, definitely after the race, I was just so excited, you know, it was over and got to celebrate with, you know, my loved ones and my teammates. And that's, you know, the, that's, basically the, the one of the best parts about the day you know getting to celebrate a, a big accomplishment that you've had and then it was like I would say about two days later where I just started thinking you know you you're in the recovery part so you're obviously not running not doing anything I'm barely barely walking you know so just super sore from a downhill race of course my quads were shot so that was that was very fun but I um I I just I don't know what it, what how I would describe it it was just kind of like a like a fire within you that you want more or that you knew you had more. And, and that's kind of where I'm just kind of, you know, waiting in the water right here is where I, I, I know I have more to give and it's like, well, should I have given it on that day or, or did I give it on that day? You know, I kind of start doubting my abilities and it's like, no, Elise, like I have to, you know, go back and, and for myself um, personally, I have to actually like write out things, what I did, and I have to compare them and I have to see them in writing. Like, you know, you did this, you did this. And like you're saying, my, my five race, my five race um, lead up to the marathon, like I had great races and I, you know, set basically two new, uh, two new PRs on the way to a new PR. So it's like, Elise, like you got to just get out of it and just, you know, let it go. And um, one thing I will say is today I actually volunteered at an event, um, for local running and stuff. And I talked to Jenny Hitchings, who was the mountains to beach winner. And she came in, uh, I believe it was two fifty one. Um, she's a local here and she happened to be at the event. And, and I went over my recap with her and she was like something that really stuck with me. And she just said, you know, some things in running, you just have to learn from experience. Everything is going to come from experience. She's like, you can't get down on yourself because 
like you said, it's your second race and time, any time is going to evolve and you're going to evolve as a runner. So that's what you have to keep in mind. And so that hit me pretty hard. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a week and a half, you know, basically two weeks later and I'm still, still, you know, learning from the process. So, um, overall I'm, I'm very happy about it. I don't want anybody to think like I'm ungrateful for how, for how great I ran, but I'm, I'm tough on myself. You know, it's not, it's not a secret. My closest friends know that my family knows that I'm just a very mentally, uh, mentally strong person, but I'm also, I guess you would say stubbornly, uh, mentally stubborn as well. So, so, and then in these races, when we do our, not our race recap per se, but also when we, when we kind of harken back to the race itself, at least for me, and I love to hear if it's the same for you, oftentimes my mind is drawn, especially for a marathon, to those points in the race where I was really struggling and how I reacted in the moment. And is that part of it for you? Like, did you feel like in those toughest periods of a marathon, which we all know can be just brutal, did you feel like you maybe left a little bit on the table? Is that part of part of what you're thinking? Um, I, you know, I can't say, I, I can't even say whether I left it on the table because when I finished, I was beat. I mean, so I, obviously I don't think I had anything left in me, but I, but looking back, I, I just, I'm like, well, did I, but I don't, I really don't think I did. I mean, I'd be crazy to say that I had a lot more. Um, anybody who ran the marathon at Mountain Beach knows that mile 24 was, I believe it was mile 24, but it was a long, uh, like upgrade, uh, but it was just, it was long and steady and, once again, talking to um, all my teammates, everybody like that was one that it was so close to the end and you, you know, you thought it was over and then that hill came and it was just like a slow, slow grade, a grade hit, um, hill that would not end. And, and I had thoughts, which I, you know, I usually try to keep um, out of my head, but it was kind of like, like, okay, like just, you know, hurry Lisa, and, you know, or can you do this? And, you know, I would say that negative thoughts came in, which is, like any runner, you always want to, you know, have a positive thought or try to switch it. But there was a time where I would say I had like a little bit of a mental breakdown. So and that was kind of like a disappointing thing afterwards to think back and, and, and look at and just say like, dang it, you know, like, well, if I would have thought more positively, would it have changed? Or what if, you know, you can play that what if game, but it's, there's no point in doing it. It's over. It's done with. So. <laughs> right. And then that, that self-talk, um, usually it's, it's kind of, it builds, right? It's not just like a stroke of lightning coming out of nowhere, right? It's like, it kind of, usually, at least for me, the self-talk almost mirrors my physical state, right? So yeah. as my physical state starts to decrease, my self-talks, my, like my negative self-talk can oftentimes parallel my body's decrease in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you Definitely. feel like that's kind of what happened for you? Um. Yeah, I guess, I guess I would say that too. There were times, you know, anywhere after mile 18 where, I mean, it's a marathon and you're going to, you know, have some, some struggles and stuff, but I, I did feel my legs start getting heavier and I started passing people who had passed me earlier. And that kind of shook me up a little bit because I'm like, okay, why, why are they, why are they slowing down so much? I'm, you know, so, so I was doing well with my pacing, everything. And then it was just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm passing them. So should I be like, should I be tired or more, you know, more tired as well? And then it just becomes a mental, you know, a mental game and stuff. So you're going to just have to get past that. So, yeah, I would say this was a lot more of a mental race than CIM. Um, for CIM, 
I went out with like really no expectations because I had never done one before. I had no idea what I was doing except for I had set up a, a plan of, you know, what mile splits I wanted to hit. And, and I basically like, you know, blew that out of the water. Like, so, I mean, my, my goal at CIM was three thirty, And so I, that was, when I came away with the three twenty four, I was like, okay, well that was, that was awesome. Like, but then now looking at Mount Beach, it was like, I had more to compare it to. I had probably, I had probably put maybe too many expectations in it as well. So, I mean, just looking at the two, it's like, it'll be interesting now for like, whenever I decide to do my third one, like what I can learn from both of them, you know, comparing and, and just going back and, um, and looking over everything. And you've mentioned before, and I think you just did it again, where you, where you said that you're, as you put it, um, very self-competitive. I think you used, I think uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like there, there an expletive thrown in there um, in your, in your description. Um, I'm going to leave it out for now, but um, with, with that self-competitive drive, do you feel like your, your self-competitive nature, um, like how, how do you motivate? Like, I guess I'm, I'm having trouble phrasing it. I know what I'm trying to say is that, for a lot of people that self competitiveness can also lead to being self-critical and can lead to like a lot of negative self-talk, whereas opposed to a lot of people who are, you know, super competitive aren't also like, you know, kind of like super positive about, you know, most of their actions in a way, you know what I mean? It's almost like that self-competitiveness also masks itself as being self-critical, which can lead to like, all right, I need to do better. Okay. I need to do better. Okay. I need to do better. Yeah. Um, I would say you pretty much summed it up pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I would say, um, I, I, I don't know how to perfectly explain it. It's just always been something where, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, also in a competitive, I guess you would say competitive family, just because my sister was an athlete. My brother was an athlete, like a star athlete in high school. And so as I was, I was grooming myself, you know, from the sixth grade and, and I, I grew up in a really small community. So in no way was, was anything I did like amazing, but you know, I was grooming myself to try to make varsity my freshman year in in any sport I could, or to try to make the highest level, you know, like I, I was always practicing every single chance I get. I, I did stuff and, and I didn't even, I didn't join club teams. We didn't even have that where I lived. So there was no extra stuff to like better myself but it was something I knew I wanted to do because I guess I kind of played the comparison game, which, I mean, I, st- I still do. I'd be lying if I said I don't. And it, it's just something that you have to overcome or I, I don't know. I don't know how people fix it all the time but <laughs> or think about it. But, um, yeah, I just I, – I, I like being competitive, though. That's the thing is it's hard because I really like it. <laughs> right. So is it – for you – the part that you like, is it more the process or the achievement once you get to the goal? It's, it's definitely more the process because I was even looking back at, you know, mountains to beach and stuff. And I'm like, gosh, like this training was so awesome. I had such a great training and then everything, it was like when people, you know, were asking me like, Oh, are you excited to run blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but then it means I have to get out of like my routine and like anybody, you know, I, I like a routine in, in a weird way. I like a routine, not that I have a perfectly normal one, but being able to, you know, run each day or do double days of a run and a workout or be able to do that. And it's like this last week, I finally realized like, okay, well, 
it was okay to step back and I just had a break and, you know, I did 10 days of like literally nothing, like just walking or just stretching and just doing like, like stuff around the house and stuff. But it wasn't, it was nice to, to get away from everything for, for just a little bit, but it's, it's, that's over. And now I'm already, you know, back into, back to my normal schedule. And you run with, is it the, the Arate? Is that how you pronounce it? I always struggle. Is it Arate? No, it's, it's Arate. Arate. That's it. The Arate running group. Um, and, um, it, yeah, seems like, it seems like your running group is very tight knit, not just you personally, but I feel like I've gotten to know several people in that running group. Um, in fact, I had Jen on the podcast uh, yeah, a few months yeah. ago, uh, Fueled by Frosting, for people who follow her on Instagram. And, and she was a really <laughs> fun person to talk to. But And we talked about this as well. How does your your competitive nature, how, do you, how are you able to kind of um, use that kind of within that team mindset where it seems like you guys are, you know, I shouldn't say you guys, right? It's an all women's group. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like that, you ladies. <laughs> yeah, that you ladies are able to, you know, kind of create this real, you know, high level community feel. And yet, obviously, for you, like that's a very big part of your life. But in, in another way, you're very competitive. Like, are you able to kind of like dissociate that competitiveness when you're with them, or how does that manifest itself in that context? Yeah, and that's the funny thing is when I really was interested in joining a team and everything. And then this came about, um, Arata came about and I was just like, okay, this is what I need. It, I, in college, I was in a sorority. So I had, you know, my group of women, but, but I really was in the sorority because we played intramurals and we had tournaments. And so that was really fun to me to be able to be back in like a sports uh, environment, but also have, you know, some girlfriends and, and, you know, people to hang out with, party with, do whatever, you know, and hang out with. And so um, when Arte came about, I, I just, I don't know when we, when we're training, it's not, there's no competitiveness. If anything, it is against yourself. Like, and that's, and maybe the others, you know, definitely will have their own opinion of what they think. But for, for me personally, I don't find any of my teammates as like competition. Like it's, it's not that at all. It's, it's really about, that we are doing something together. Like when we do our track workouts, I, I run with um, a, a couple girls on my team and it's like, you're part of something that's, that's bigger than yourself, you know? So you're part of a team. And, and that goes back to just being always on a team in high school and, and college. And that's something that I felt like I was missing um, from the whole running, like running part of my journey. You know, I was doing everything on my own. I was making my own, like, you know, baloney plans and everything i had no idea what i was doing basically and now it's kind baloney of baloney like... plans i love that i've never heard that <laughs> phrase before I, i'm gonna have to steal it <laughs> like that's what it felt like like i would you know go on the internet or i'd read books and i would just put up i would put my own plan together and just be like okay i'm gonna run this much this day this much this day i had no idea what i was doing and so um yeah being around them it's it's never about like who's better and it's it's so great when you have a race day and you're able to celebrate together and and there's nothing about like oh I beat you or oh you know oh I I should have you know I knew I could have ran faster than you like that's not anything of what it's about and I don't I just feel so lucky to even be a part of of a strong you know uh, group like that and and I think a lot of it has to do with we're mature women and we don't you know we're not into like high school drama or any it's not like that anymore like we just 
we want to run and we want to better ourselves. We want to better each other. It's not just, you know, like in that sense of the team aspect, it's not just about you. It takes, it takes you out of it and it becomes a we. So that's what I, I really appreciate about it. And what's the benefit of having a women's only running group? Um, <laughs> I, I think it, it just gives you other females to look up to you know whether they're your age or you know I have girls on my team who are younger than me and I still look look up to them and think the world of them and I think it's just well it's easy to have conversations in the female aspect if something's going wrong you know you you automatically understand each other so that's that's a really big plus about it um but we do have uh some males who will come out and join us and run with us as well but but it is just about um just you know, training with others and, and just, you know, I don't, I don't know, finding that, that you can relate to one another in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, I, the reason I brought that up is that there's certain runners who have really taken to this, um, you know, this topic among others, uh, you know, I think of Kara Goucher and Lauren Fleshman who really in a lot of ways have almost had more impact off the track and off, you know, kind of like off the race course than they have on it. And, you know, embracing not only this topic, but others, they're very socially conscious and like to engage in this sort of thing. And I feel like this is one topic um, where a lot of uh, high level women runners have really taken to kind of like the women empowerment, women advocacy um, topic. And it's, it's, it's interesting how um, basically how, how a women's running group can kind of really take the bull by the horns in a way on that topic and kind of create that sense of community. And I guess I'm curious about it if for no other reason than like, I'm never going to be in it. So I want to like, know, like, Hey, what's that like? I mean, not not from like a a jealousy perspective, but just out of curiosity, like it seems like it it, it seems like it's gained a lot of momentum and the people who are involved in it really like it. So I I am genuinely curious about just the, uh, the, the benefits that people get, especially say, for like you, you know, you've been an athlete for a while and you've been a part of teams and you miss that team, that team aspect, but obviously a running team is different than other teams. You know, there's no playing time issues. There's no competition <laughs> to get on the court or the field or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I also think that you have, um, you have the other women and like you said, women empowerment. I mean, it, it definitely has become a, a statement in you know the past year or two and I think that's something that now we're able to look around after a race and just say like you know we just we just killed it out there like that was something that we did and we were all women we you know we all trained with each other and and we didn't not in a mean way but like we you know we didn't need men on our team to, to do well or anything like that you know it just becomes like a like a statement of, of woman power you know female female um force so Right. And exactly and that, and that, you know, that there's no, there's no gender in being an athlete. No, no, no. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're just, you know, you're, you're just going out there kicking butt and it's all relative. You know, you just want, you just want to get better and improve, but it's not, it's not a gender thing. It's about, you know, stretching your limits, getting over hurdles, you know, literally and figuratively for some runners, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and just really trying to, uh, to kind of get to that next level. Um, now, from a running schedule perspective, this is something that I can't wait to talk to you about. So you're, you're a flight attendant. You love your job, first of all. So yes. what, what yes, I, yes. people know what a flight attendant is, but what does it actually entail from a day-to-day or week-to-week basis in terms of how often 
you're traveling, how often you're in the air, you know, kind of give me the, give me the X's and O's of the job itself. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to explain it. it. It's actually really confusing when you're like not in, in that circle or anything like it, it took me probably a year to two to understand it really everything that goes on. But number one, we are there for the safety of the passengers. So that's, you know, that's ne- definitely number one. Um, but week to week, I, for instance, I have this week, this whole week off, and then I will go on a four day trip. I, myself, I live here in Sacramento and I commute to San Francisco, um, for, to, to check in at the airport and also start my trip and end my trip there. So for me, there's a a little bit of a commute involved. Um, that's actually when I listen to my podcast is on my drive there and on my drive home. And so I get all your episodes covered. Um, all right, Elise, I love it. We got some plugs going on. No. Yeah. Honestly, I kept saying, I was like, I was like, this is funny. Like the other day I was listening to one of the episodes. I was like, I'm going to be on that. This is, this is like really crazy. Like I'm going to be able to listen to myself one day. So, um, but be, yeah. be, be prepared to be freaked out by it. as someone who, listen, who I can't even listen to my episodes. I'm like, Oh God, I sound like that is the worst. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, I do my driving and then myself, I do my trips in like a chunk. So it's a, usually a three day trip or a four day trip. Um, it's easier to get my hours, uh, worked and then, um, because you have a set amount of hours that you have to work each month. That's basically what it um, comes down to. So I do about, I would say I work about 15 days a month and then have about 15 off. Um, this month, since I have a little bit of vacation included, I'm only working, um, this sounds really sad to say, but I'm only working 10 days this month and then I have 20 days off. So, and that's including, you know, paid vacation. So um, it can, it can vary month to month because you bid on your schedule, you bid on uh, the type of trip you would like, and you bid on um, like the layovers you want. You can, you can literally bid for what you'd like, but it also has a lot to do with your seniority in the company. So luckily I'm starting to get a little bit higher into seniority. So I'm getting trips that um, are a little bit more beneficial and helpful to me. And especially for my training, um, uh, I'm able to, you know, work around it. So now are you still using baloney plans or do you have a coach at this point? <laughs> I, I, well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of half and half to be honest. So I, um, Mary, who is the, one of the co-founders of Arte, she sets, um, sets us up with our, like our speed workout and then also our long run workout. So she sets us up with two days. The other days are basically ours and it's like a fill in your own mile. So, so that's another part about it is you're able to, you know, be a, be an adult and just kind of, you know, decide what you would like to do. And you, you kind of realize what's best for you. Myself, I choose to do six days of running. And, um, and so those other four days that are not, you know, not given to me as set, set training days, I kind of fill in whatever my weekly mileage um, for myself would like to be, then I'm, I'm filling in the gap on those days. So, so it's a lot of, um, with my travel and everything, it's a lot of, you know, I could, if I have a high, higher mileage week, I might be doing a certain amount of miles on one day and then, you know, cut back on the other just because of my layover time or where I am. And yeah, it's, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great journey. <laughs> I can imagine now, 
a lot of people, I, we were talking before we started, uh, started recording about for a lot of people having a schedule, a daily schedule, especially on a weekday, really allows them to maximize their running, right? It's like, I run at this time per day, every Monday, this is the time I run. And it kind of mm-hmm. like by setting it out ahead of time, it allows them to make that happen. Now, you are in the kind of job where that is impossible, to do so how do you schedule your runs um week to week month to month and just even day to day how do you figure out how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it um well the way i actually even schedule out running uh races is usually around my vacation time so so i will bid my vacation days around a, a race that i would really like to do so um you know i have my a couple days off, um, in May. And I set those, I set those for mountains to beach so that I knew I didn't have to, you know, risk paying for the race and everything and having to drop out or anything because, you know, I had to work that day or, you know, I'm not, I'm also not one to call in sick or anything. So I definitely, I, I definitely want to be sure that it's something that's the same thing I did with CIM. That's the same thing I did with a couple of these, uh, the five lead up races that I did as well. Like I, I scheduled my days off for the month to make sure that I had those, um, those days off to run. And then it kind of goes down to, I would say a week by week slash day by day, because of course with flying, I mean, there's a, a lot of, I love actually watching like stories when people are traveling and they, you know, have a horror story and it's, it's really sad because I'm like, okay, well, I'm on the other side of it. I definitely know what you're going through. It's just as frustrating on our side when you have a delay or you have a miss, you know, a misconnection because your, your flight wasn't there. Like I, we totally sympathize with you because that usually messes up our schedule too. Like it's not, it's not just you. That's the way I'm like, try to explain it to people. I'm like, our lives get, you know, kind of get, um, you know, put in a jumble as well. So, um, say I have a Monday through Thursday trip that I'm gone. I, I would like to do my track workouts on Wednesdays. And so I always made sure wherever my trip was that I had a track handy that I could run to and do my track workout on Wednesday on my layover. So whether it be in the morning before the flight, um, getting up really early or whether it be after a flight and landing on Wednesday night and then going. So I wouldn't say I run in the morning or in the evening on on during my training, it's kind of just, I make it work. And I, I just kind of set, set my mind to it. And I mean, I, I will be honest. I remember one run, um, not too long ago where I landed after a transcon to Boston from San Francisco. And that, that's a pretty long flight. That's basically one of the longest ones that we have. And it was about 8 PM. And I was like, okay, I have, you know, two decisions. I can go to bed right now. I have to get up at six in the morning do I go to bed or do I run? And I was like, well, obviously I'm already thinking about the run. I might as well just go and do it. And it was an easy run or, you know, so I just had to go out and do it. Like, so it was, and I really look at it at like a, as a, um, a post-flight, like decompress as well with something happens on the flight or, or if it was just kind of a rough flight or it was a really good flight. Like I get to just have that moment to my, those, you know, five miles or seven miles or eight miles, I get to have that time to myself. And listen to my music and just kind of, you know, get, get ready for bed to start the next day. Now, what's the latest you've ever run after one of these flights? I will say, well, it's usually like East coast time because of the time difference, but probably like nine thirty PM and oh, then had, 
<laughs> and then had to get up like at 5 a.m. So we, I, that's another thing is I do a lot of trips with early wake ups. So, I mean, I'm doing all the 4 a.m. wake ups and the 5 a.m. wake ups and that's East coast time. So over here it's what 1 a.m. And it's, it's not usually pretty, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> now that must, so there must be very few times Especially, I shouldn't say very few, because say you're you're traveling 15 days out of 30 days. So, let's say half of your track workouts are during these ga- during these periods, right? Yeah. So you're during during these three to four day trips. Is it? Do you have to kind of tailor your track workout for those days, as opposed to when you're fresh and relaxed and at your home track? Like, is there a performance differential between the two? Um, I honestly do not tailor it or, or cut it down. I usually, whatever is assigned or, or recommended, it usually says like four to six or like, you know, 14 to 16 or and those type of, you know, like it's a little bit of a range and I'm just really stubborn that I, I do go for the full. I mean, I think maybe one time this, this training cycle where it was like a six to eight and I just did the six instead of the eight. And I was like, gosh, why don't I do that more often? Like after flight, I'm really tired. My ankles, you know, are swollen and, and my legs are tight. And, and why don't I do that more often? But you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I also, I kind of put it back to a race day aspect because I mean, you can be tired, you can be in the worst weather. Obviously the Boston people this year experienced that, but I, I like to look at it like, if I can do this, I can do anything. I mean, I, I, I put that, you know, that positive mind frame in my, in my um, own head because I think otherwise it's just kind of letting yourself take the easy way out. And I mean, not everybody probably feels that way, but that's definitely just the way I think of it. I love it. I can't wait. All right. So I take a quick break, talk a little add in, uh, but I can't wait to listen that again. Right now we're going to talk about our friends over at Mercury Mile. So, Elise, you live in Sacramento. It must get pretty hot there in the summer, right? Yeah, it's already, it's, we've had a hot week, which was definitely intense. <laughs> right, so there you go. So, all right, so you can't be running around in cotton t-shirts. You need some good gear in the summer, you know, unless, you, you know, unless you're doing a little two-mile run. If you're running long, which most of you are, especially if you're training for a marathon like Elise has done recently, you need the gear to kind of keep you protected in that hot weather. And if you're like me, you don't have time to go out there checking out all the new products and testing everything out. So that's where Mercury Mile comes in. They'll send you all that new gear. They test it out for you. They'll send you it's, they'll send to your house. You keep what you like. You send back what you don't, and you're good to go. So as I mentioned in the intro, just go to mercurymile.com, enter promo code RamblingRunner10 at checkout. You'll get your box. And again, there's no harm, no foul. If you don't like it, just send it back. But I, I, I use Mercury Mile. I can tell you, you're going to like the gear. And I'm never going to forget, I got these, these winter pants that were literally, the front and the back were different, like, they were different materials. So, like, the front was, like, buffered you against the wind. And the back was a little bit lighter and more flexible. It was, like, the weirdest thing at first, but it was, like, so handy. It was great. Anyway, just an example of something you'd be able to try. I'd give it a shot. I enjoy the product. I wouldn't have them on here if I didn't. So, again, MercuryMile.com, RamblingRunner10 at checkout. All right, Elise, you just mentioned something that I think is very important, and it's a very interesting mindset. So, basically, you're kind of gaining and improving your grit by trying to do tough things. 
an example of these track workouts, either before and or after these long work days. Do you feel like that gives you an advantage in a way? I know it's it's very hard. So being able to do it is tough, right? Like, Like being able to like train at your best every day is a blessing. But by doing it when you're not at your best, do you feel like you get a performance advantage in the long term? Um, I really, I, I kind of do, to be honest. I think when I set myself up for something hard on the next workout, you know, the next day when I am back, it's going to feel so much easier or on race day, it's going to feel so much easier. So, um, I think as long as you are able to challenge yourself, sometimes you can get, you know, great, um, great turnouts from it. Yeah. Cause it, you really, it really gets you in that mindset of like, all right, if I can get through this right? Like you just mentioned, like I can get through any of this stuff, right? Like it's, and especially for a longer race, those mental games can just be bedeviling in a way. Like you ran two 5k PRs on the way to mountain beach, right? The first one was a 2055. And then Mm -hmm. a short while later you ran a 2016. So which is a huge improvement in a short (laughs) period of time. Uh, First of all, I'll just say that. Um, But it's like the, the difference between 5K pain and the marathon pain or discomfort or whatever adjective you want to use. I feel like it's the, the longer you run, the more it's a mental game. Whereas like the shorter race is just like, I'm just going to run hard and I'm just going to like not think. Would you agree with that? Like, I feel like, I feel like that's how I, that's how it's kind of manifested itself for me. Yeah. The, yeah, the 5K, the 5K is like, you have no time to think about anything. It's just like, you're, the whistle goes off and, or, you know, the gun goes off and you're just out the gates. Literally. Like I, I just remember being like, wait, this is mile three. Oh my gosh. Like I really need to turn it up right now. <laughs> like, like, okay, you don't have time to think, but yeah, in the marathon, you definitely, your mind can go everywhere. So you just kind of have to be aware of that. And I think mentally prepare yourself for it. Yeah. And you mentioned in, in one of your posts that you've been coached by some of the toughest people around. Um, Again, you, you kind of phrase it in more of like a, a raw way, but it was, I thought it was a very interesting thing to say for what, for you, what are some of the, who are some of those coaches and what about them um, kind of sticks out from a toughness perspective? Um, actually, the funny thing is all three of them are female. They are all female coaches. They were definitely my hardest coaches I've ever had, but they really taught me just so much about myself and not just the sport. And I think that's what really, um, that's what really just spoke to me. Um, thinking back on it. Um, my first one would be, um, coach Johnson. She was my volleyball coach in high school and she was, (laughs) I don't know how to say it. She was just so, so forceful, like in everything she did. And just, she did, she did not let you down. Like she, she, or she wouldn't let you stop. Like everything you did, it was, it was a hundred percent. And, and, you know, it paid off. We got to win a volleyball championship. And it was, you know, like her, her methods really stuck with me because it was like, no, you can do this. No, look me in the eye. Tell me you're going to do it. And, and it was that type of thing where she really just made you believe in yourself. I think all three of them really did that. Um, my next coach would be uh, Mrs. Da Silva. She was actually the PE coach in, at my high school. She played softball for Fresno State in I mean, thinking of like a stud athlete, like that's the word that comes to mind when you, when you think of her, like she is just, 
amazing. Like best sense of fashion as well. As as an athlete, everybody was like, "How does she like? How, how does she dress so nice?" Like she's definitely somebody where I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Her her like sports um closet was was ridiculous. But what I she will taught- say, my my gym <laughs> teachers were the exact opposite from a fashion oh, really? perspective. They were like going back at least 25 years towards like the casual athletic trend. So say I was in high school, in middle school, in the mid to late nineties, they were like going to like 1983 with their like <laughs> athletic fashion. It was very like, like the guys were wearing like shorter, tighter shorts with like pulled oh, up ooh. socks with like the lines, like the white socks with like the green and red lines. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, the women like were track wearing, socks. Like, yeah, the women were wearing like the pink and purple, like really baggy, like, you know, quote unquote track suits like no one would ever run in in a million years. Yeah. Oh, she was like Adidas shirt, Adidas shorts, Adidas socks, Adidas shoes. Like if she had it, it was the whole entire outfit. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's my idol. Like I would look at her and be like, oh my gosh, like I want to dress like her and be like her. And, and she, she was very, um, she, she was, she was different in her own way, in her own way, because she was, she was tough on us as athletes. But she had, you know, a mothering aspect as well. Like she, she understood if it just wasn't your day or you told her like, you know, what, I just, I need a, I need a break or I need a, you know, can I just do this instead? And she'd be like, okay, well explain to me why. So she was very big on, on like coaching one-on-one and what was the reason and, and just, I mean, being a friend, but being a coach. Um, lastly, my, the coach that definitely stands out the most is, um, Coach Claren, she was my softball coach in college. I played at a community college. So she was my coach for two years. And she basically is the reason I ever discovered mental training. She had us as a softball team listen to um, tapes and CDs or whatever, you know, whatever we had. And, um, and we would do, we would not even have practice one day. We would go do a spin and then we would do yoga and then we would listen to, to mental training. And it was a, I was actually, I, I'm going to blank on his name, but it was, his name was Brian. I know his first name was Brian. And, um, and he was a mental, uh, mental training instructor for baseball players. Like he worked with professional MLB players and everything. So, so we used that for a full season and we went on to, you know, not, not win state, but we went on to the state finals and everything. It was just, it was amazing, like to discover what, you know, positive talk can do for yourself and what, what um a strong mindset can do for you as well so um she i just i think the world of her and i i will always be thankful for you know what what she did for us she made us run a whole lot too so if anything i i got my my running like baby start from her because we ran hills we ran from softball from softball Uh, that was definitely the hardest thing i we ran like we were in um hill repeats that's what it was like a day of training and then we would do the bases so i mean that's where my my running love really came from is just running bases i I stole a lot of bases and it was a short distance. So it wasn't anything of what these ones are, but of what these races are. But yeah, I would say that's where I kind of discovered like, Hey, I have a little bit of speed. Maybe I can work on that. Well, so you must be pretty explosive. Stealing bases in softball is very difficult. Yeah. I, I loved it. That was like, you just get a rush and a thrill. And when you do it, you're just like, okay, I'm a badass. That, that just happened. I love watching. Like, I feel like no one is more paranoid than a women's softball pitcher i feel like if like if a base runner is like even like three inches off the bag 
they like will fake a throw over. I've oh, never yeah. seen anything like it. I was like, like, it's like constant fake throws over. Like someone's like, even like within like a hair's breadth of being on the bag, but not quite there. It's like yeah. very, it's very intense. Of course, at the same time, one of the most, I feel like the bravest athletes I've ever seen, maybe except for like people who like mountain climb without ropes or something is a, is a softball third baseman. Oh yeah. That ball's coming right at your face. Like these people, <laughs> if you haven't seen a softball game, these people are halfway down the line. They this, are. This, this is not like a major league diamond. It's a smaller diamond. They're like 10 feet away from the batter. It's insane. <laughs> that's, that's very true. I did. I, for that reason, I never played infield. I was not an infield person. Cause I was like, no, 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 you're not, you're not like having that ball just fly at my face. And I, I happened to, you know, miss it or something, but yeah, they. I will give all the credit in the world to infielders for softball. <laughs> oh, for sure. Now, I'm going to ask you something um, that you posted about, which is a little bit more private, but you did you did put it out there. You did you you shared it, um, you know, in Instagram, and you've you've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And as a as an athlete, as you put it, you've been an athlete since you could walk. Um, yeah. You've also mentioned you've had a constant struggle with your body image. And just want to talk a little bit about that because you're someone who is extremely fit, who does, you know, not only run at a high level, but you do CrossFit. You're very active from a weightlifting perspective. You've been an athlete your whole life. You've done various sports. You don't necessarily fit kind of like the, 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 I guess the stereotypical person who would have body image issues because of your (laughs) constant athletic um, pursuits. So can you, would you mind speaking a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it, I guess that's kind of where it ties in, like running, like always want to be better. Um, I think that kind of just, they kind of tie into one another. Um, I will say in high school, you know, I, I played, you know, three sports. I was always very active, like you're saying. And then it was like college came around. I played softball for a couple of years and then I was in sorority and things just kind of changed and <laughs> we did a lot of uh, fun extracurricular activities and I just saw my body like, you know, a 180 from what it is right now. And so I think it's almost like a, I know where I don't want to go back to. So it's, it's just kind of like a, I need to work out. I need to, I don't know, eat, eat healthy. And it, and it, it's a lot, a lot about it is that I feel good doing it. It makes me feel good. And so it's like, I get those endorphins and when I don't have them, it, it just, it can be like, kind of like a downfall. Like, you know, I kind of start just feeling bad about myself. So it's like, okay, well, if I work out, I know it makes me feel good. So I might as well do it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I would say I also do a lot of people are usually very surprised, but I think it's because of now how they know me now. They didn't know, not that I was a whole different person, but they don't, you know, uh, technically know my past or that I was, I was, and I'll be honest, I was 25 pounds heavier than I am right now in college because of how much partying and fun and eating out, you know, like we lived literally two blocks from a Taco Bell and I, (laughs) we went there quite often. So, I mean, like any college person, you know, you have your ups and downs and, and of weight and whatever. And I, I didn't really like the gym in college. Once I got done with softball, I was like, you know what, I'm over it. I just need to have fun. And so that's what I did. And then, and then now I'm kind of paying for it because I'm like, okay, well now I, now I need to keep my mind, you know, clean and, (laughs) and uh, get back to where I, you know, where I know I can be. Yeah. It also sounds like it's evolved a little bit, right? Cause you mentioned in the beginning how, if you don't work out for a couple of days, 
that you just you, you start to feel it. I mean, obviously, like your body fat percentage didn't change in those two days, right? I mean, like your <laughs> your body composition didn't change in those two days, but it almost becomes not about what you see in the mirror or on the scale or anything like how your clothes fit. It's more of like the mental benefit of working out as opposed to almost the physical part. Unless, De- I mean, I, definitely. I, I guess I shouldn't say that either because they are, they are strongly connected. It's not like yeah, they're I, it's, either. it's like a 50-50, I'd say. Like, I mean, I, I love the physical part of it. I love seeing my body getting stronger. I love, you know, I do love seeing the changes that my body goes through. But then it's like mentally, I just, I, f- I feel on top of the world. So it's like, that's, that's a good feeling too. Why would, you know, why would I want to lose that? So, and, and not saying I don't have a rest day, like during my training, everything I do take a rest day. I'm not like super crazy, but, but I know my body needs it. And, and it's just kind of like a, well, that's, that's my recovery. That's when I get to, you know, lay on the couch and, and watch and Netflix for about five hours. So, oh, what so are you I- watching? What are you watching for five hours? I gotta know. Well, Right now, I'm we're done with it, but I, we watched actually we watched the Thirteen Reasons. We just finished season two, which is amazing. If nobody's, have you watched that series? No, I don't want to. Okay, I well, I th- it, 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 looks, is, it looks like a bummer, so I don't. It, I didn't okay, get into so it. so it it is it is actually like based here in the Bay Area though, so that was kind of like a. It kind of like a tie that was interesting to like kind of always find things, or you could see pictures of of the Bay Area and stuff. So that was one thing. Um. I liked a really goofy show. It's called Unbreakable. Um, and then I also watched The Ranch. Um, these are all like just probably, I don't know. To me, they're very entertaining. Wait, Unbreakable. But... Which, which ones? I feel like I've seen Unbreakable. What's, what's it, that? So it's a girl who was, <laughs> she was found in an underground mine. And then now she's living above, but she was down there for like 30 years. So now she, or maybe 15 years, but she was down there for a really long time. And so now she's above ground and now she's living in New York and basically relearning everything. Like she doesn't know how the world works. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's you're really, about. yeah, it's really entertaining. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have she's a hysterical. lot of time on my layovers if I'm not running. So yeah, I watch, I watch everything, <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm like, the, you'll have the to, you'll have the to give me some. Yes. Yeah. I th- think that's her. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that, no, that's great. <laughs> um, I've like completely <laughs> derailed myself. Yeah. What I'm like, okay, next. what's next? <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, oh, Netflix, let's do it. Um, <laughs> all right. So you, you know, you mentioned before, uh, we started this podcast where you, you, you set your PR and then you immediately went into like, I know I can do more. I know I can do more. And could have I done more now? Um, and kind of trying to figure out basically what's your potential, right? It seems like you feel like you can do more and that you haven't reached your potential. So what's the rest of 2018 look for you? And you have, you have to plan out your races pretty far in advance. What are you hoping to do and what are you hoping to accomplish? Um, I have three races scheduled right now and that's about where I'm, <laughs> that's about where I'm ending, but, or not, maybe not ending, but that's where I'm, I'm for sure of, I have a 5k that I'll be running and when I like to PR, yes, but it could be, it's going to be a little bit iffy just because it will be my first race back. Like after the marathon, I believe that's a good question. I think it's in August. (laughs) I should check that date, but I believe that one's in August. Then I'll be running, um, one of my favorite races, actually it's the giant race. Um, it's there in San Francisco. I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan. And so that will be in September. I'm running the half marathon there. It ends on the field on AT&T Park. So it is the most amazing finish ever. <laughs> Hold on. I have to jump in here because I said I was going to get back to this. You won 
that 10k they had <laughs> yeah. like basically like the, the 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 spring version of that race you run that you won that 10k in the middle of a 20 mile run like that is absolutely insane to me how did it feel running so you ran what so it was three mile warm-up and you ran a 10k and then you ran 11 miles after, yeah. after running a hard a hard hard 10k what did those 11 miles feel like i am like i'm flabbergasted by the workout <laughs> I, I just remember, and actually two of my 20 milers were done that way. So that was really interesting. I had never, I, I'm not one to break up my miles either. I don't do like a morning and then a night. I just like completing them all at one time. So those two days were probably the only time where I actually broke up the workouts. Um, the 11 miles afterwards were, <laughs> I guess, kind of a blur. <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, how, what were they? They were fun. They were, I, you know, it's the same route. I, I ran a little bit of a different route down here in um, downtown Sacramento, just ran like on the levee and stuff. And, and um, yeah, but I just remember like getting done with that race and then be like, holy moly, I have 11 more to go. Like, it, again, that's a, that's a mental, you know, a mental aspect where you just have to pump yourself up for it and, and just tell yourself to get it done. So um, I'm, I'm really big on that. Just like, a. a but how did your legs feel? Um, like mentally, I know you can do it. You're, you're super tough. It's very obvious. I knew that before <laughs> I even started talking to you. Um, with probably that said, too tough in some aspects, <laughs> my tough. boyfriend does tell me that. Like, can I have, can, so I, can you, can you FedEx me some of your toughness? I feel like I, I haven't hit, I haven't, I haven't reached my potential. I'm probably nowhere close. I'm still in the, I'm still in like the, the shallow end. I need to get to the deep end. Um, you send me some of yours. Um, yeah. But how did your legs feel in the last 11 miles? So anyone who runs a race hard, like, you know what it's like, you like shoot, even driving yeah. home after a tough race. You're like, Oh God, I can't even yeah. get out of the car. I, I think that's where some of my training, you know, for after flights comes in because I definitely, I remember my first, I think it was like the first four miles after like, I, or, you know, the first, yeah, the first four of the 11, I was like, whoa, like, okay, I'm definitely just taking it easy, going slow, you know, doing easy pace, almost more like a recovery. And then once I felt my legs start to, you know, just get a little bit more circulation, I guess you would say, I, um, I kind of got to go back into like my normal long run pace and stuff. And so that, that felt a lot better. And then once I got done, actually, I think I met a teammate for brunch and I was just like, Oh my gosh, give me all the food right now. So, so that was probably the the silver lining was I got to see the brunch at the end of, at the end of the tunnel. Nice. Oh, I love that. I, there's not, no food tastes better than post-race food. Oh yeah, for sure. Avocado like, toast all the way. You could give me, dry toast forget <laughs> avocados forget butter you just give me cooked bread i'd be like this is the best bread i've ever had <laughs> in my life yeah exactly <laughs> all right well, so we're gonna get in the last bit of questions like we do on every episode but before we do that i just want to say thank you so much for coming on i've had a blast this has been so much fun this oh this is amazing oh, again thank you so much i'm so honored to actually be a part of the circle of people that you've asked so thank you well, you're right up there with all of them. That's for sure. And you Thank mentioned you. before that you, you rock the headphones when you're going for your run. You're listening to your music. So what kind of music are you listening to? Uh, I'm kind of a day-to-day, whatever I'm in the mood for. I have a um, – I'm like diehard until I die. I'm an NSYNC fan. So I have an NSYNC mix that I listen to. I have a separate Justin Timberlake mix that I listen to. Listen to. 
I have a country mix that I listen to on a lot of my easy runs because I'm a huge country fan. So in a normal day, that's probably what I'm listening to all the time. And then I have a run mix that I have set up for my races. And it's always like the same, same songs. I have Major Lazer, Florida, uh, Kesha, Afrojack. So it's, it's like a really weird variety of mix. But it's, it's just whatever like has that tempo that I know is going to pump me up. So I'm really big on that. <laughs> Oh, so so a bit of variety, but if you're listening to In Sync and Justin Timberlake, those those are pretty. Those are typically kind of like you know pump you up, not pump you up, pump you up beats necessarily, but usually pretty quick, right? As opposed to the yeah, country music. Yeah, they're they're pop, they're pop, so you know they got the yeah they, they got that good that good vibe. <laughs> for sure. Well, see, you're motivating me right now. I'm really excited. It's uh it's a little bit late for me to go for a run, but like I want to go for a run right now <laughs> listening to you. But who motivates you as a runner? You mentioned before that you play the comparison game a lot and I meant to follow up with that with you earlier. Who motivates you and who who do you try to compare and strive to be like? Um to be honest, there's not one person in general, but I will say um just so many Instagram, Instagram runners that, you know, you've, you've had some of them on some of them that are my teammates. I will say, you know what, I'm really going to say that my teammates are just my ride or dies. Like, I just feel like I look up to them. I learn so much from them. And, and they're, you know, they're what gets me, they're what gets me to the level to where I am already, you know, like, and they're going to be the, the people who are, you know, going to get me to the next level as well. I think you just learn so much from people who you train with. So I'm, yeah, I, I love my team. <laughs> there you go. It's pretty obvious. That's for <laughs> sure. And because and everyone on your team posts the same pictures on like a weekend run. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, they just came see, back. Exactly. You'll see I the just, same I just got photo. flooded by 10 people for posting the same exact picture. <laughs> yeah. Sacramento <laughs> takeover. <laughs> exactly. All right. So if you could only run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? I'm going to go with the granddaddy that got me my Boston qualifying. I will say CIM. I love it. It's here in Sacramento, and it's honestly one of the most amazing races. It should be on everybody's bucket list. I can promise you that. So you actually, I cut you off before. You 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 die. You kind of diagrammed the rest of your year. You gave us the first two races, the 5K, then the San Francisco Giants race. What's what's race number three? Is it going to be CIM again? Um, That's still kind of up in the air. I'm not a hundred percent on if I will do another marathon this year. I really want to, um, hone in on Boston for next, uh, next year. But, uh, my, my third race will be the urban cow half marathon. And my hope with that, uh, which I, I guess I should just share is, uh, I'd like to New York marathon qualify by running a faster PR, um, half, half marathon. So that's what I'm really going to be working on is, is the half marathon and getting that sub 132. God. All right. So 132 for the New York marathon. It's funny. Cause like the Boston qualifying time or times, I feel like are more ever present than the New York. Times. Yeah. I, feel yeah, like I, I had, don't know when I had, to, I had to look it up a couple times, but now it's, you know, it's, it's ingrained in my head. So I'm like, okay, well I'm at a 133. I, I just, I got a little bit more to kick off. So. And 132, that's just like a shade under seven minute pace. I, yes, I believe so. <laughs> okay. Got it. All right. So other end of the spectrum, what is your bucket list race? Oh, bucket list. Um, I will say the London marathon. I've heard it's, you know, just so hard to get into. So I'm like, when you, I haven't, I haven't even applied to get into it, but once I do, I'm like, you know what, if I get in, I will definitely 
you know, go all out and just want to have an amazing experience if I get to, um, if I get to enjoy it one day. Well, we know you'll have the miles to fly out there. That won't be the issue. <laughs> that, that's, that's for sure. True. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last one. Who is your dream running partner? Oh, dream running partner. I, you know, I hear these all the time and I'm like, who would, who would I run with? I don't, I, I'm going to go with somebody who I actually even haven't heard. I lived in San Luis Obispo and she is a local, you know, phenomenon. So I'm going to say Jordan Hesse. Oh, I, I love right. her. I yeah, had I, that one. yeah, I, she actually does a lot of her training at Cuesta college and, um, which is the local, uh, community college there. And I've, I've seen her, I knew her, I knew her even not knew her, but, um, I've known about her since she was basically in middle school. So I just, she's an amazing runner. I'd love to, you know, have a, have a go with her. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. She was a little prodigy. Yeah, she. I think she has a lot of potential, and she's she'll be one to watch in the upcoming years for sure. That's for sure, Elise. I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. All right, talk to you again. All right, bye. Thanks. Thank you, Elise, for coming on the show. This was just so much fun. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Also, big ups to Mercury Mile for sponsoring the show week after week. They provide a great service and a great product, and it's it's uh it's big for me to get sponsors on the show uh, because first of all, I only connect with sponsors that I feel good about. So um, this is a company that I uh, have had a relationship with for a while, and I fully endorse their products, whether they're on the show or not. Frankly, so uh, definitely would give it a shot if I were you, and if you do. Rambling Runner 10 at the promo code uh, at checkout. Also, as I said in the introduction, big announcement coming from the Rambling Runner podcast this week. And uh, that's all I'm going to say, but I am excited to, uh, to make that announcement in a few days. So stand by. Until then, happy running.